Greetings and salutations. My name is Justin Lore. <laughs> I'm Liam O'Donnell. <laughs> you are listening to episode 124 of Horror Business. Horror Business. And today we're going to be talking about two films involving Frankenstein, <laughs> sort of. Kind of. Literally in both examples, kind of really vaguely Frankenstein-related. We're going to be talking about 1944's American horror film. Yeah. uh, The original Avengers, the original original cinematic universe, House of Frankenstein, and then the work, the pinnacle of cinema... Frankenstein Conquers the World, also known as Frankenstein versus Baragon. Yeah. Which I have exactly one problem with. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Uh I wanna I wanna acknowledge right away that um both of these movies ended up on our potential spooky season watch. So happy October, everyone. This you're listening to this in October. It's oh, yeah. October now. Yeah. Welcome to spooky season. Uh, and the both of these movies ended up on our potential movies for spooky season playlist playlist uh, uh, possibilities list because I misread another list I had. What I wanted to have on here were two hammer horror Frankenstein movies. Right. Uh, I wanted to put on uh, the curse of Frankenstein and uh, Frankenstein created women or create created woman is that it something like that um basically part of the whole hammer horror series of frankenstein movies but i had them all sort of listed on this thing and i just grabbed two and put them on our list not thinking about it and it was only when we started i'm like oh house of frankenstein oh wait no no this is this is the other thing okay and then we got to then i was like oh yeah frankenstein conquers the world oh that's the that's the uh kaiju one Oh man, I didn't pick either of the things I thought I picked. Oops, my bad. It's the greatest, it's the greatest film involving Frankenstein ever. I mean, don't be wrong. Frankenstein conquers the world. I am actually stoked to talk about either one of these movies, but I feel like the Hammer Horror Frankenstein movies are a little bit more Halloween-y, a little bit more like fall-esque, and uh, nothing about Frankenstein conquers the world makes me think about Halloween. I think house of frankenstein anything universal horror just feels like halloween to me unless it's set like yeah creature from the black lagoon it's set tropical that's not halloween but like anything that's like the general spooky vibe of those movies i'm like yeah this is halloween come on you know like that works how is the creature from the black lagoon not spooky movie season it's tropical it's literally that's a summer movie you should be watching it in a pool that's like for the summer <sighs> The same way that I don't understand all these people are like posting they're watching like Sleepaway Camp or Friday the 13th or uh, 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 The Burning. These are not Halloween movies. I mean, you can watch them. Don't get me wrong. You can watch anything. It's not that you can't watch horror movies that aren't Halloween-y around Halloween. It's just I wanted to watch things that felt very of the season. That's what I was aiming for. And only once I started watching them, I'm like, oh, I missed on 
both these movies kind of, you know, not too bad, but a little bit. House of Frankenstein definitely, I think by its very lineage. Sure. Right. Is a Halloween movie. I think that's right. Frankenstein Conquers the World is uh, an act of courage. Okay. That didn't quite go for. No, I'll say right now, the one thing I don't like about this is that Toho didn't have the fucking moral intestinal fortitude to just make him fucking fight Godzilla. Why? I mean, I get it. Baragon. Sure. They didn't want to bring out their fucking A. Their, they didn't want to bring out the A team. Or the B team. Some would say the C team. Uh-huh, so they uh-huh. brought out Baragon. Okay. So I, I read about this. It was uh, apparently the original script that was going to be Frankenstein versus Godzilla. Right. Oh, fuck. That would have been amazing. Was the movie that we saw as King Kong versus Frankenstein. Or King Kong versus Godzilla. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they basically, they, that's what they were going to do with Frankenstein. And then they felt like it wasn't going to work, you know? And, 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 uh, and they thought about going the other way too, Frankenstein versus King Kong. But they, they just felt like the Frankenstein idea was kind of dead in the water. And they went with King Kong versus Godzilla. And then uh, almost partly because they had the, a little bit of the money to burn from the success of that movie, did they end up doing this? But you're right. They didn't want to burn one of their other characters, you know, properties on this thing because they didn't know if it was going to fly in the same way that when they started talking about war of the gargantuas, that was originally going to be tied to Frankenstein. And then they ended up not doing that really, you know? I just don't understand. Like (sighs) these poor people. I mean, no, I, 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 historically, the Japanese, these poor people, <laughs> this era of Japan, fuck, I'm so sorry. <laughs> all, all I'll say is, I don't mind the whole Baragon thing. The movie's fun. That's all you need. And like, I had not seen it for many, many years. And I think I didn't even see all of it. I saw, I've only seen part of it before. So sitting there watching it, a high quality version on the Criterion Channel. Uh, it was totally worth it to me. I really enjoyed it. I'm really glad we're going yeah, to I, I get actually, to it. Yeah, I, I just, I, I, let me take back what I said when I said Baragon is, is like D team. I don't, I, he's actually, they are actually one of the more underrated Kaiju in the Toho, uh, Godzilla, whatever. Like I was watching this and I was kind of like oh, fucking Baragon really. And then I remembered, I think it's giant monsters all out attack. My inner Godzilla nerd is showing right now, so I'm sorry. I don't know if I don't know if anyone knew this, but I really love Godzilla. Um, where in one of the most uh, heartfelt, gripping, and moving sequences as any Godzilla movie ever is when Baragon, as a clear underdog, goes up against a Godzilla who is possessed by all the dead souls that it, that were killed by Japan in World War II. Would have time to talk about that though, and is clearly getting the shit kicked out of him and is like kind of doing the Rocky Balboa with it. I didn't hear no bell. I didn't hear no bell. And like every time I watch that movie, I'm like almost moved to tears by his like, you know, I could do this all day. So I take back my earlier slander of Baragon. I mean, it is worth noting that this movie came out before that and Baragon was made up for this movie. 
but he's pretty it's a pretty good monster, right? And it's a great monster. And it allows for us to further identify with Frankenstein, right? Like we're 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 sympathetic to Frankenstein, but he's also kind of weird. It's not clear how sympathetic we should be until he's battling Berger. And then it's like, okay, we're definitely on Frankenstein's side. Because it, it could have gone, you know, in the original story, it's like you kind of feel bad for the monster, but you also kind of think like the monster's not very trustworthy. You know what I mean? Like there's there's a little bit of like a a line walk there. This movie is very much like for, you know, the Frankenstein monster is kind of dangerous, but also he saves people from a monster. So you kind of end up on his side, really. Yeah. All right, but before we dive too deep into these movies, we should probably talk about who this episode is brought to you by. And this episode is brought to you by you our Patreon subscribers. That's right. If you want to contribute to our uh, the podcast network that just chugs along. If you want to help us out, if you want to help us keep not losing money, you can head to patreon.com backslash Cinepunks and you can you can give us a one time donation of whatever you like or a reoccurring donation. Whatever you see fit, you can do it. And anything I mean, literally anything you do is greatly appreciated. Um, I have been working on now for the like the last week or so since we talked about it. Some of my. uh I guess it's kind of like a song exploder style thing where I talk about like I made up a list of my hundred favorite songs of all time and I'm just going to talk about them and make that like a Patreon exclusive like little five minute episodes where I talk about like, you know, how I first heard the song, the impact it has, what it reminds me of, you know, if anything of note happened to me during that song, like whatever. Um, and then, you know, Liam and Liam and Josh have some cool shit going on. That's like a Patreon exclusive. So. If you want to help us out, even if you don't care about any of that Patreon exclusive content, um, if you want to help us out, just go to patreon.com backslash cinepunks and subscribe. And any little bit you give will help us. Yes. We also have to thank <laughs> the premier screen, screen printing company of the world. Um, that would be Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Uh, they have an event coming up on October 21st at the uh, Sokols in Allentown or Bethlehem. Uh, you can head to their Twitter account or Instagram account would probably be better. Um, you know, the, L the underscore LVAC. They have a another, they're doing a, another Let's Hang Out event. You know, there's going to be wrestling. There's going to be vegan food. There's going to be like a, it's going to, it's like a week before Halloween. So there's going to be like a Halloween contest. It's going to be a good time. And on top of that, if you need high quality, extremely reasonably priced, uh, shirts, koozies, uh, ass capes, um, hoodies, Dr. Seuss hats. Um, what else? Uh, at, 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 by the time this comes out, I don't know, like Lucha Libre masks. If you need those printed for your band or your podcast or your swingers club or whatever it is that you do, you can head to www.xlvacx.com for more information. Um, or you can just go follow them on if you know if you want like a sample of their work, just head to Instagram and the underscore LVAC and you can see what they do. Uh, there is a ton of independent uh, wrestlers out there who get their stuff printed. Chris does great work as much as I hate to admit that because I want to fucking murder him with my bare hands 
while I hold him down and breathe in his last exhalation and look into his fucking eyes as the life leaves because I hate him that much. Um, head to www.xlvacx.com for more information on how you can get the products of tomorrow printed today. <laughs> I like that. That's a good little phrase. Uh, we also, of course, want to thank our buddy Aaron Dahlbeck over at uh, EssexCoffeeRoasters.com. Look, you order from Essex. He roasts your order once you order it, so it's as fresh as possible. He's got high-quality coffee options. He's also got high-quality tea options. If you're more of a tea person and merch and stuff like that, uh, when you're done picking out what it is you want, you put in C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X on your way out in the, in the little discount area. You're going to get 10% off your order. Go do it. Go get some coffee. You know you want it. And lastly, uh, you should check out Mecha Mechanical Shark Media, run by the homie Sharky, who produces this podcast. He edits it. He does all of our sort of like post-production stuff. He takes the shit that we spew out and he shines it to a fucking polish. Um, he does anything you have in the audiovisual medium that you need to do. Any sort of creative, creative endeavor you're looking endeavor you're looking to do a video for your band and a video for your podcast, uh, like a video for your uh, whatever it is you do. Head to mechanicalsharkmedia.com, get in touch with Sharky, and he will help you put together the thing that you need to be put together. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. And honestly, y'all, he's he's easy to work with, and he does great work. And so you know, you got something. You got audio. You got video. You got uh, other production needs. Uh, you're going to want to go to mechanicalsharpmedia.com. All right. Now, now it's come the time when Liam and I are piloting two separate submarines for two different members of the Axis powers on World War II. I'm piloting the Japanese submarine and Liam is piloting his German submarine. And he, for some reason, has the immortal beating heart of Frankenstein's monster on there. And we, we meet up and we, we dock you know, in a totally normal heterosexual way. And as he passes to me, the it, immortal heart of Dr. Frankenstein, our hands briefly touch, or not Dr. Frankenstein, a Frankenstein's monster, our hands briefly touch. And I look at him and I say, Liam, what has it even done involving horror movies recently? Well, <laughs> uh, not a ton, but I did start in earnest my uh, watching stuff for, just I, I I don't even say thirty one days of horror because I don't keep up with it that well, so I don't put a name on it. But uh, you know, I made a pile of of stuff to watch way back in September, and I have gotten exactly no things off that pile because what I watched was on the Criterion Channel. <laughs> so oh, no. uh, so if people um don't know, Criterion has gone uh, a little above and beyond what they usually do for Halloween uh for October rather. Uh, they've got the uh, Ishira Honda collection, which has Frankenstein Conquers the World, if you want to watch that. Uh, they have a vampire collection, but they specifically have an 80s horror collection, which, though it does have some of the movies you're expecting, has some unexpected films, some of which I had never gotten to see before. So I decided to jump into a movie that I had heard about, but I had never seen, called White of the Eye. Are you familiar with this movie, Justin? I am not, but the title has me intrigued. Well... Uh, you might remember a little movie that we uh, talked about on this show called Demon Seed. You remember Demon Seed? Oh, I do. So the director of Demon Seed, his first movie was actually 
a movie he co-directed with Nicholas Rogue called Performance, a uh, crime movie starring Mick Jagger that was very controversial uh, and was actually sat upon by the studio for like, I think almost two years before they finally released it. Some people love it. Some people hate it. I've never seen it. Um, however, uh, he, it took him a while after performance to get back into directing films. He's mostly a visual artist, uh, but uh, not too long after performance, about seven years, he did Demon Seed. That also didn't go exactly the way he was hoping it would. Um, he was not entirely pleased with the outcome. And he didn't return to directing again until 1987. Uh, Why Do the Eye stars uh, Kathy Moriarty, Alan Rosenberg, which I'll get to that in a second. I have something to say about that. And David Keith. Now, you know, you know, David Keith. Yeah, he did. Um, Keith David is the guy from The Thing and They Live. David Keith was in. Oh, God, I don't I've seen him in shit before. I like I like this. You're trying to get there. Well, so a lot of people listening will know him from an officer and a gentleman. But of course, I know him. As the dad from Firestarter. He's the Firestarter dad, y'all. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Well, if you thought he was mildly upsetting at times in, in, in Firestarter when he uses his powers and bleeds from his nose, then you need to see him in White of the Eye. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything, even though this is a movie from 1987, because, uh, I, I mean, I guess it's not a mystery, right? It, it's a movie that builds towards a conclusion that feels inevitable. But it spends a lot of time kind of making it seem like maybe that conclusion isn't right. Like to a law lo- to a large extent, I'm watching the movie trying to figure out how they're going to resolve this stuff because it, it can't possibly be what I think it is. But then it was what I think it is, which I was like, oh, OK, sure. Um, I bring up Alan Rosenberg. This is one of his earlier movies. Uh, he's an interesting actor because um, he hasn't done a lot of film. He's done mostly TV. And I got to know him, weirdly enough, from that show Shameless. Is that right? Shameless? The, yeah, yeah. The Chicago show. He's the drunk professor that ends up becoming a kind of mentor to the younger guy who's now on that show, The Bear. Uh, and then he's also now in um, that, that show Mo. If people don't know, there's a sitcom on Netflix called Mo about a Palestinian immigrant to America who lives in Houston. And he doesn't have official documentation. So he's sort of living as someone who doesn't have documentation in Houston. And people, because he's in Houston, all throughout his life, keep thinking he's uh, uh, Mexican or, or some kind of Latine. And he's actually Palestinian, you know? Uh, but, okay. But there's a, there's a hookah bar he hangs out at. And at the hookah bar, he, his OG Palestinian friend sort of runs the place. And there he smokes hookah with the one Jewish man who hangs out at the hookah bar and they spend all their time arguing about the Israel-Palestine conflict while smoking hookah. And the Jewish man is played by Alan Rosenberg, who is in this movie. So what a weird connection, right? I didn't know that when I started the movie. And the whole movie I'm going, why does this guy look so fucking familiar to me? And it took me forever to figure out how I do him. Anyway, so why did the eye? It is a serial killer movie that is dripping with style with aesthetics with just crazy camera work uh i mean people really think of it as one of the more experimental films of the 80s uh it's just it's not a movie despite having some uh serious like violence in it 
all the violence is sort of done in an abstract way that reminds you of like the least bloody giallo. You know what I mean? Like just just there's a lot of sort of homages to uh gialli films. Um I think it's a movie that because it's focused on a couple that meets sort of at the end of the hippie 70s and then they're together for a decade in the 80s and then things kind of go awry and they're in Tucson, Arizona and uh and there's this whole like plot around a serial killer and stuff. I don't know. I know I shouldn't worry about spooling a movie from 1987. But I just found a lot of this movie like really satisfying, uh, really kind of haunting. And uh, David Keith rules it. I mean, uh, props to Kathy Moriarty, who's also great. And even Alan Rosenberg, who Alan Rosenberg plays a character who has spent some time in prison between the flashbacks and the modern time, you know. And it's such a change in the character that you almost feel like he's playing two different characters. You know what I mean? Hmm, like, yeah, yeah. like the 70s him is very much like, hey, I'm from New York and I'm cool. And you backwater hicks here in Tucson don't know what real world's like. And then the 1987 him is like very quiet and kind of pensive. And he's got a giant scar on his face. And you're like, well, stuff has happened to this dude since since then, you know. Um, anyways, if you like um, horror movies that are more abstract nightmarish uh there's a plot like don't get me wrong it's not that it's a not a narrative film but there are lots of moments where the the director is more interested in the visual storytelling than in the the script itself um i think you'd like this movie and it kind of crescendos in one of the more insane endings i've seen in a long time so uh like i said white of the eye this director you know like i said he did performance he did demon seed he did white of the eye he did one more movie after this called Wild Side that they had to recut after he passed away. He actually, in 1995, I think, took his own life. Uh, and after he died, the people who put out the movie, they let his partner re-edit the movie, and it was re-released on her edits, and people decided the movie was great. Like, when it was released, it was panned as, like, terrible and proof that this guy was a hack. And uh, and then the re-edited version is supposedly much better. According to a video I watched about him from the British Film Institute. Maybe it also is bad. I don't, I don't know, guys. I haven't seen it. But um, just knowing that this person did four movies over the course of his life. Four. And uh, at least one of them I think is amazing. And while we had differing opinions on Demon Seed, I think there were some interesting ideas in Demon Seed. So... I'm going to try to see performance. I know Nicholas Rogue is cool, so I'm kind of interested in that. And uh, I'll try to check out Wild Side, too, though I, I couldn't find. I was like, oh, I'll just see how available it is. I couldn't find it anywhere, uh, but it might be out there somewhere. So anyways, uh, yeah, that's about it, though. I, I watched Why the Eye. I watched our movies for today's episode. Um, and that's about it. I'm really hoping that before we record next, I will see Pearl, which I really want to see. And I will watch... Uh, the first few episodes of queer for fear on shutter, which I'm really stoked on, but yes. that's, that's about all I got. Okay. So let's start. Let's see. Let's. I might get a little pushback for this. Okay. I, I started to watch the monsters. Okay. I made it about 20 minutes in and I was like, this is not for me. I stopped it. Going to work today. Today's usually my day off. Going to work for a few hours a day. Uh, 
the homie Tom who works in the record store was like, yo, he's not like a big hard guy, but like he's like every now and again, he'll like surprise me. Like a few years ago, he and his wife just ran randomly decided to watch Phantasm. And he was like, yo, did you ever hear this movie Phantasm? I was like, I fucking love Phantasm. He's like, yeah, me and Carly watched it last night. It was amazing. And I was like, yeah, it's fucking wild, isn't it? So he comes up to me today and he's like, yo, did you watch The Monsters? And I was like, fucking no. I took 20 minutes and turned it off. He's like, oh, that sucks, man. I really liked it. And I was like, you serious? Like, and he's like, yeah, I just thought it was really fun and, you know, cute and endearing. And like, I don't know. I think Rob Zombie's kind of a jerk, but like, whatever. And I was like, I got to watch this movie because like Tom, like, generally doesn't lead me astray. So I'm going to watch that. Uh, I've been watching a few films for Fantastic Fest. I watched a film called Deep Fear that involved uh, people being chased by Nazi skinheads in the Parisian catacombs. Uh, okay. I watched a film called Night Siren about uh, witches and the kind of legacy of trauma passed down through generations. I watched a movie called Everyone That Will Bur Everyone Will Burn that was about oh, you got to see this movie. It's I believe it's a Mexican film. Okay. Um, it's just about like, I'm sorry, Spanish film, how like 40 years ago in this little town in Spain, there was this event that happened in which the Vatican, Vatican intervened and they were like, yeah, this is in like a part of the Bible that we didn't like release, but this is like a major prophecy that's like heralded that shit's going to get bad in about 40 years. We stopped it for now, but like we have to be on guard. And it's about this town's legacy with like dealing with that. Um, and then I watched uh, a movie on Tubi called Skyman that it's about a guy who when he was a little kid, it's a, like a found footage documentary. It's about a guy when he was a little kid, him and his father saw on his 10th birthday, he and his father saw a UFO and he claims that he was contacted by this being that he knows as the Skyman who said, and exactly 30 years, I'll be back and you'll understand everything. And this guy's entire life has been him struggling to deal with um, what he has seen. And it's kind of fascinating because it shows like he goes to all these like UFO like conventions and he talks to people and he's like, these people are all full of shit. Like, I could tell they're all lying. Like, I could tell that guy's lying because this, that, the other thing. And like, I know what I saw and like his like his personal life is like falling apart and the only people who believe in him as he's setting up this beacon to call back the sky man are his like estranged sister and his like weird best friend and it's just about them like you know yeah man like Carl's like kind of crazy and we don't think anything's gonna happen but he's gonna need us here when nothing does happen and it was Build as one of the scariest found footage movies ever but in reality um i actually think it's one of the saddest ones i've ever seen sure because it's like not for there to be a spoiler alert like this guy did see something like there was like an objective external phenomenon that like contacted this man but everyone thinks he's a fucking joke and um I don't know. There's just something that's like really heart wrenching there. Uh, and then I watched a movie like in a little anthology horror film called Give Me an A that was made in the post Roe v. Wade world. Um, it's like just about like different segments, like little vignettes about um, 
you know, what it's like to live in a post-abortion America. Like, and it's not just like, oh, women are being like, uh, it's not just about the objectification of women. They also talk about how the, this is going to affect men too. And uh, there was one segment where a woman meets up with this guy for sex and she says like, oh, just so you know, like, I don't plan on ever having children. Like, I have a career I'm working on. I don't want kids to interrupt with that. So, like, I need you to sign this, like, document with my lawyer present saying that, like, if I have a baby, like, I'm not getting, I, you know, I can't get an abortion. So you have to take care of the baby. And the guy's like, yeah, whatever, fine, fuck it. And then, like, nine months later, he gets this baby because, like, the condom didn't work. And it's, like, an ironclad legal document that this baby is his. Which is, like, taken to a level of absurdity. But at the same time, it's also like, you know, dudes, this is like, this isn't just like, <laughs> it, it affects us too. Right. Um, and then today I watched a movie called Piove, Piove, it's an Italian movie. It translates to flowing. Um, and it's just about, it's like, a, it takes place in Rome and they're in the middle of this like historical rainstorm. And there's a family in which, like, a few months before this, they were in a car accident in which the mother was killed and the youngest daughter was um, was paralyzed from the waist down. And it's, like, coming up on the anniversary of this car accident. And there's all this resentment in this household. And in the middle of that, uh, Rome is besieged by an unexplained subterranean gas that turns you into, like, a fucking insane lunatic. And it's about this family that realizes what's going on and they have to like keep this resentment under control. It was so fucking good. Um, that sounds really good. Yeah, it's very good. And then I watched a movie called elderly. That was just about, um, it gave me extreme anxiety as a caretaker for my grandfather. Cause it's about like, you know, this guy, He's not getting along with his wife and kid. And then his mother dies by suicide and they have to bring their father in. And the father's acting really weird. And then a bunch of the other, like his elderly friends start acting weird and shit just goes downhill from there. So that's what I've been doing involving. Oh, and also the last thing I want to talk about, I skipped over this specifically was theatrically. I watched a little film called smile. Oh, yeah. I've heard good things, actually. That movie was fucking terrifying. Oh, my God. Uh, it was so scary in a way that the trailer does not let on. Um, in that the, the trailer in the very in the trailer, like the opening scene where the girl is like talking to the main character about like this thing she's seeing. There is a scene where she has a panic attack and. That could have been me on the phone with my mom talking about how I think everyone is like laughing at me. And it was just so it just got under my skin so badly. And uh, one of the things that they don't really talk about in the trailer is that like this movie is about like uh, the trauma of seeing someone die by suicide and how that would affect your own personal psyche and how that gets passed down. Not necessarily from like generation to generation, but from person to person and how like 
it's all about like um how badly it can fuck you up when you see someone die by suicide sure um and i keep seeing people being like yeah it just looks like the ring or it follows and unequivocally let me say if you are writing this film off as just a ripoff of those two movies uh you are missing out on a great film i cannot i cannot recommend this movie enough like the cinematography is so uh it keeps you off kilter in a way it keeps you like vulnerable to like scares and the music is frightening and I just spent this entire, like, I, I actually said, like, um, it remind, there's a scene, it, it's, it's in the trailer, it's in the very beginning when the woman's, like, talking about, like, I keep seeing this thing. This film is the diner scene in Mulholland Drive, not the boo jump out scare scene. The conversation those two men are having in the diner beforehand, where it's like, yo, this guy is, like, really fucking scared. And... That fear is so contagious. This whole movie is just that conversation where you have someone talking about how they're seeing something and it is the most frightening thing they've ever seen. And like everyone else is like, okay, like, because even if you don't believe them, when someone tells you like there's something in the room with us right now, you can't see it, but I can. And it's fucking frightening. That is not a good place to be. And that's all this movie is. It is just that for like a hundred minutes. Um, so yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know it looks like the ring. I know it looks like it follows. I know it looks like a lot of like early aughts, like shitty curse horror movies. But believe me, it is done so well that it kind of transcends that and just becomes something that is so genuinely frightening that like if you like being scared and you appreciate like really slow burn unsettling horror you have to see this movie yeah i'm very curious to see it i've heard i've heard very solid things and it's also worth pointing out that there there's no um the smiles that these people have they're all done in a way where it's not there's no cgi involved so if you think you're gonna get that you're it, you don't worry about that that being said I don't know if these people were trained to smile like um like if you've ever seen like pictures of like Ted Bundy or uh John Wayne Gacy when they smile and it just doesn't touch their eyes and there's just something that's so like I that is just such an unsettling thing um that's what it's like in this movie it's really fucking scary so go see it And that's all I've done involving Har recently. Okay, that's a solid, solid list. Solid list. Yeah, I uh, I might be watching a few more things um, tomorrow for because tomorrow's like the last day of the Fantastic Fest at Home program. I also might go see um, the Manitou at uh, what you call it, um, the Mahoning Drive-in. Mm -hmm. I also what what they just played something I saw there. Oh yeah, they they played the thing. Oh yeah, they played the course, thing. Of course, yeah. You've heard that little, you know, the movie, the yeah, thing. Little, I've heard of it. You've heard of it. I heard it's pretty good. It's okay. It's only the third greatest film of all time. I like that. That's a good claim. 
Um, all right, so we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the Avengers of the Universal Horror franchise. The House of... Wait, was this... This, this couldn't have been the first time that, you know, all those motherfuckers, all those MFers appeared in the same movie. No, I mean, even... They, they even reference another movie, right? Because they talk about Frankenstein and Wolfman. Because in the movie, the Frankenstein's monster and Wolfman are frozen in ice. Yes. So that suggests that they were in another movie together, but I don't know which one. <laughs> There's too many. <laughs> There's just I, I want to. So I want to see them all. I I there's I I I'm not crazy about these movies aside from Dracula and the creature from the Black Lagoon, but I do appreciate them. I'm probably going to be watching a bunch of them with my grandfather in the next few weeks because he likes them. But there's just too many of them. There's too many of these fucking movies. It's a lot. It is a lot. But yeah. let's let's take our break. We'll come back. We'll talk about it. Yep. All right. We'll be right back. yours a new home in the skull of the Frankenstein monster. The uh, juggler vein is severed, not cut, but torn apart as though by powerful teeth. A werewolf. Last night I killed a man. I didn't know what you were doing. But I did. I wanted to kill. I think they're after Dracula. are back to talk about 1944's American horror film starring Boris Karloff, Lon Chaney Jr., and motherfucking John Carradine. House of Frankenstein, uh, directed by Eric C. Kenton. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Earl C. Kenton. Um, this movie is about uh, some asshole who... <laughs> Does a bunch of shit he shouldn't do uh-huh, involving uh-huh, uh-huh. all the classic universal monsters and fucking mayhem ensues. Um, I really like this movie. You know what? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to say I agree, actually. I mean, I when I here's here's what I will say. For people like myself who maybe have a bit of a bias against the universal horror films, right? Which I which I think I do. I think I have an unfair bias. I think this movie is actually the thing we're thinking about, right? Like, this is the sort of movie that I think, oh, these are just kind of dumb, whatever, whatever. 
But then as I was actually watching it, which I haven't done with as many of these as I act like I have, I was entertained most of the time. And a lot of this is like some real cornball, like, like the absolute extent of the sort of ridiculous stuff that they do in these movies. This isn't one of those. There, there's a number of movies from, from the 30s and the 40s that you write off because they're older and they seem kitschy. And then you watch them. And they have some real haunting shit in them. And we talked about this on our Universal Horror episode that we did. You know, I and and I, you know, like yourself, I like Dracula. I like uh Creature from the Black Goon. I also like Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. Um, I kind of like Invisible Man too. Uh, but there's a lot that I just haven't seen beyond those 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 movies, right? And um I had this idea that in a movie like this, that's like way later that's sort of riding the wave of the popularity of these films, right? Trying to cash in a little bit. And that features almost with no justification, multiple of the menagerie of monsters they have in their IP catalog, right? Like this is a movie about Frankenstein to some extent. And yet there's a, you know, there's a Dracula cameo, which they do not, they do not give Dracula his proper respect to this movie. Makes zero sense. Has nothing, literally nothing to do with the fucking yeah. plot of this movie wolfman shows up frankenstein is there there's sort also sort of there's also just like gypsies for no reason uh we've got a stand-in for igor that's someone else altogether named daniel how the daniel. fuck do you get Igor? <laughs> well we can't call him igor what's the next worst name to igor i don't know daniel and yet as silly as this is, maybe it's because I went in as soon as I realized what it was and thought this will be silly. I wasn't disappointed. No part of me was like, oh, what the hell, man? This is dumb. I just was along for the ride. And it's a fun ride. It's it's as you said, there are parts of this that are unjustifiable. There's no reason for the Dracula sequence. There's not even really a reason for the for the content involving Roma peoples. You know, like no. that's that doesn't need to be there. Um the idea that they go to the the Frankenstein town and everyone's like, we don't talk about bad stuff here, but there is the ruined castle up on the hill. If you want to go check it out, it's right up there. The house, the the castle where all the bad stuff happened. Right we there. We don't talk about it though. And you're like, wait, what? What's going yeah. on? Yeah. Um, and even like the motivations of it's a lot of the motivations of our characters are almost inscrutable, right? The when when Daniel loses his shit and starts whipping the corpse, the, the unanimated corpse of the Frankenstein monster, it just doesn't make any, it just doesn't need to happen. Right. Like, it's just like, it's kind of fun though. Like, and, and William, I think he was driven to madness by his horniness. Yeah, What's not so, to understand. I know he's so horny and he's so angry at the wolf bed. The wolf bed is obviously a much more tragic character than Dude, Daniel. Lon Chaney Jr. Is he fucking shines in this movie. Yeah. Oh my God. He's so good. I, you know, I'll be honest. I, as much as I love werewolves, right? Yeah. I'm not a Wolfman fan. I, I don't I'm No, a, No, no. I'm a Larry. T- I'm a Larry. T- even in the original Wolfman, I think Lon Chaney Jr. In that movie, like there's a scene when he's, when he first gets to town and he's like talking to this like antique dealer who's the love interest. There is such a chemistry between those two actors. Yeah. That like, I'm like, ah, fucking, why can't the rest of this movie be as good as this scene? This is so like, you know, in in one of the most famous iconic horror films of all time, I am fawning over 
Lon Chaney Jr. being like, can I buy you these nice earrings? And you're like, oh, he's so smooth and endearing and friendly. God. And in this movie, he's constantly being like, <laughs> my existence is the defiance of God. Let me die. So um, to clarify something we were saying before, I think the events that ha that led to this movie are actually in Ghost of Frankenstein. Yeah, that's what I was seeing. But it doesn't make sense because Ghost of Frankenstein takes place in a different village. You know what, Liam? Yeah, it's fine. I it's don't really fine. care, but it is what it is. Um, okay, but here's the thing, though. Yes, it's hard for me. This style of movie, right? Um, it's just hard for me in general because it's not, this lacks all of the gothic sort of like, uh, German borrowing from German filmmakers, uh, of Dracula or movies like that. You know, like this is, this movie's fucking bright for a horror movie. There's a lot of day scenes. Um, it doesn't have the artistic flair. Like there's all kinds of things for me to say that this is kind of like a, a cheesy movie and maybe not worth people's time. I don't know, man. This is a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun with this movie. And maybe it is because maybe this is about how, like, on one hand, I don't like glam metal or hair metal or whatever you want to call it. On the other hand, I have listened to and enjoyed Manowar. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Is it that, like, if you do the thing to a certain extent or in a certain direction, I end up liking it despite myself? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. All I know is this or or how i don't like sports but i like wrestling the sport of kings you know i don't, sport I don't of kings. know yeah, yeah 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 all i know is i very much enjoyed this movie and i would recommend it to people who also are into something that doesn't take itself seriously because you know we watch a lot of horror movies where i'm like it's not scary but like this is really not like i i, I don't think she would be amused by it but i could show this to mave and no part of me <laughs> would be like, oh, she's going to be bubbed on this. Like, she would think it was hilarious. She's watched scarier episodes of Simpsons Treehouse of Terror than, than this movie, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is, this is a movie of a time. You know, this is... I, I really think this kind of, like, lacks... Like, this movie is so... I, I, what I'm about to say is about this... It's going to make you think that, like, I don't like this movie. But this movie lacks even, like, the kind of... Like, there's a touch of the tragedy of Larry Talbot in this movie that's present in The Wolfman. There's a touch of the tragedy in this movie that's present in Frankenstein's monster. But other than that, like, there's none, there's none of, like, the other, like, um, like, it's not even, it doesn't even have the weird xenophobia that, like, uh, Dracula has in it to kind of, like, give us something to, like, take a shot at. It's just kind of there. Like, there's like this like vague revenge plot that Boris Karloff wants to get revenge on people who like had him locked up and he's manipulating all these people around him. But it's like it's not even like enough to be like to, for you to give a shit. Like the whole idea that like, oh, yeah, we could just take Larry Talbot's brain out of his body and put it in a new body and that will cure him of fucking lycanthropy. Yeah, that's how you stop being a werewolf is a brain. That makes. Like, I, 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 even suspension of disbelief aside, that makes zero sense to me. Um, but that being, it's just, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Um, just this movie is just like, 
it's just like a it's just fun you know what i mean it's just like everything about it is just like sure fuck it yeah that's fine they they thaw out the wolfman and they thaw out frankenstein's monster and then dracula's there and there's a woman and a, like a weird love plot and then in the end frankenstein's monster falls into the quicksand like Nothing about this movie is, re it's really just like a mishmash of just like parts thrown together. But I still kind of love it. Again, I think it's because um, it feels, it feels more, I mean, I'm sure there are people who loved that first Godzilla movie, right? Who aren't stoked on, you know, destroy all monsters. Or yeah, I'm one of them. Like oh, I love Destroy All Monsters. I I I I can't fuck with it. Wow. Okay, that's fine. You know we all have, so there you go. I you know if for people for whom those original horror movies uh, that that Universal did, you know which original right? Like we're talking about like you know Dracula Frankenstein Creature from the Black Lagoon was post this movie, right? So the, the oh yeah, that wasn't until the fifties. Sometimes we squish all these characters together; they represent different time periods, right? But of that original run, there are folks for whom maybe they don't, maybe they're not viscerally upsetting the way other movies are, but they still hold something like serious. They're serious movies, right? They they may might be stodgy. They might be a little bit. Um, of a caricature in how we talk today or we think about how people talk, but there's still something about them that is serious. This movie is not serious in any way, shape or form. This is really just, I mean, shortly after this movie came out, they released, uh, what is it? Abbott Costello. Yes. Whatever it is versus Dracula. I forget what the name of the, hold on, let me see. That. But, but you know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, oh, I'm looking at the wrong one. Sorry. Um, so anyways, the point is, is like, this isn't that far. Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein in 1948. So this is two, what is that? Four years before that comes out. Right. And this is not that far from that. Right. It's a, it is in fact a team up movie. It's a movie that's saying, Hey, look how many of these monsters that have taken on all this cultural weight that we've thrown into this movie. In fact, originally the movie was supposed to have the mummy as well. They just didn't have enough money to do it. They ran out of, they didn't have <laughs> enough budget. So no mummy. But you know, it, it, it's still it's got it's got quite a cast of, of characters here. And if you're willing to not expect it to ever get serious or even really touch the themes of like death and suffering that these other movies, those stodgy still deal with directly, you know, the, the it, the only sense of pathos in this movie is the Wolfman performance from Lon Chaney uh, Jr., right? And it's great performance. This is the third time he played the character. It's a great performance, but it's the only source of any, like, actual emotions in the movie. And even then, it kind of feels ridiculous sometimes how serious he is, considering how much of the rest of the movie is kind of cornball. Oh, and he is chewing the scenery. Oh, I yeah. I, I, I posted a clip on Instagram where he's like, I want to die. Only death can release me. And I was like, Jesus, dude, like we get it. You don't want to kill people, but like, who are you? Me? Calm the fuck down. Stop. Um, yeah, no, but to uh, totally. And at least I will say at least his motivations 
He's the only character who makes sense in the movie, though, right? Like, yeah, no one else makes any. Like, why are they doing any of this stuff? Even the the thing where Dracula attacks those people, it's like, why are you wasting time with this right now? I don't know what we're doing. Why are we doing yeah. this? Yeah, you know? dude, it and uh, and like the, the wasted potential on Frankenstein's monsters. Like, you want to talk about a tragedy in a movie? Uh, James Whalen's Frankenstein for Universal Monsters or for the Universal Monsters fucking world or whatever, that is a movie that is tragic to the bone. That is such a melancholy, sad movie, and like such a, like a, a commentary on loneliness and alienation and isolation, and uh, there is so much going on in that movie that, like, I'm not going to say it doesn't get credit for, because I I. Th- think it's like john landis once said like his all-time favorite shot in any movie ever was like there's a scene where like like frankenstein's monster is like in anguish and he's like looking up at the sun and he's just like every time i see that shot i'm like how is this how is this real this is like the most beautiful thing i've ever seen and it's like there is none of that present in this movie like i honestly think that frankenstein's monster only wakes up in literally the last like five minutes of the movie after Daniel beats the shit out of him with a whip. And then he just carries Boris Karloff into a swamp. It's such a waste of a, of a, you know, if you really, if they were really hoping to inject this film with like a sense of melancholy and pathos, they really dropped the ball by, by not utilizing Frankenstein's monster more. I will say too, for people who've seen some of these movies that combine all the monsters, this is the only one where we don't get a monster fight. Right. Like, yeah. There's no monster fight. Yeah. The Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. There's a fight. Adam and Costello meet Frankenstein. There's a fight. There's even uh, the lab gets set on fire in, in House of Dracula. So this is the only one where the monsters are all there, but they don't really interact much. Uh, I don't know. There's a uh, this is the weird thing about this movie. There's a lot to say negatively that might for people who love this movie feel like we're busting on it. But I'm really just having fun with it. Like, I, I just think it's silly and fun, but it also sets a vibe. And I could see myself putting this movie on again in the future as like a fun Hollywood, Halloween movie. As something like low stakes to put on in the background, which is sometimes what you want. Like if I was having a Halloween party and there were normals there who don't want me to put on, I don't know, trick or treat or maniac. Ha- Halloween or yeah, or maniac. Or, you know, uh, well, uh, or like Blood on Satan's Claw or something, right? Like, for people who aren't weirdos, then, like, I can see putting this on and no one's going to be bummed on it. Like, it's not scary, but it's like a good time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it, it might be work better as background in some for some people, but it's very pleasant and it's fun. And there's there are a few moments that are, while not scary, are like neat. You know, there's yeah. a lot of neat stuff in the movie. I think the scene where they go into like the weird ice cave, like under the castle. Yeah. I thought that was, I thought that would, that, that was like visually striking at least. If people want to um, check out uh, House of Frankenstein, it's available on uh, Voodoo and Amazon. Um, I don't see it available anywhere else though. So hopefully you have one of those options available to you. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the uh, fantastic kaiju film, Frankenstein Conquers the World, a.k.a. Frankenstein vs. Batagon. 
We'll be right back. In the ocean's unfathomable depths, a gigantic, man-like creature appears. depths of the earth comes a prehistoric mastodon of destruction. Never before has the screen known such heart-stopping terror. Starring Nick Adams. Well, I feel he's very important from a scientific point of view. I'd have to cut off a leg or an arm. Doctors, I won't let you conduct this test. Frankenstein with the strength of a thousand men and every man's need for affection that makes him a willing captive. The chain hurts you. <laughs> the new scoop of the century. The horrifying touch of a severed hand with a life of its own. Force of a monster that dwarfs man's tallest structures. Frankenstein Conquers the World, a 1965 kaiju film directed by motherfucking Ishiro Hondo. Um, the, the film stars the fucking king, the king of white people in Toho movies, Nick Adams, who was also in Invasion of the Astro Monster, and he is so great. I fucking love that guy. Um, this is a neat movie. I really liked it. Uh... It's about how Frankenstein, the Frankenstein monster heart grows into a feral child that grows into uh, a giant, um, you know, attack on Titan style creature that uh, wanders around Japan, eventually fights Baragon. And then um, in the film I saw is attacked and likely eaten by an octopus. Yeah, let's mention this real quick. So, first of all, yeah, this is this is very much there was an idea to do something connected to Frankenstein. As we said at the beginning of the show, they kicked around different things that they then backed off from. And then this is what they came up with. And the essential, I mean, the very beginning of the movie with the weird scientist and the Nazis and stuff. I loved all of that, actually. I Dude, thought that's so good. It's so fucking it's... great. And then even the thesis of like Frankenstein is gone, but his heart lives on. It might sound psychotic to people, but I actually think it kind of works, uh, especially with the themes that we're used to in some of these Toho movies. I, I kind of just was like, OK with it. Now, why it, the heart then grew into this uh, vagrant Japanese boy? I don't that part. Is never it's explained. not important. Yeah, it's it totally matter. cool. Doesn't matter. I, the thing that I like about it is. Um, I kind of like, OK, so I want to go from a quick tangent real quick. Uh, 
I don't know if anyone has ever read the Peter Benchley novel, uh, White Shark. He wrote Jaws. He also wrote a book called White Shark that's about like a Nazi war experiment that is like too good and just like breaks out in like modern day times and blah, blah, blah. But it reminded me of a lot of this. There's a lot of themes going on in which it's like the sins of what have happened in the past were so terrible that like even though they're at the bottom of the ocean, it doesn't you just scratch the surface and they're still there. And I don't think that what they were going for with this movie was like acknowledging um some of Japan's like uh unsavory activities involving human experimentation during World War II. But for me, the second they started talking about finding a way to use this heart uh to make like unstoppable Japanese killing soldiers and they started chaining this guy up and talking about amputating arms. I went right to unit 731. Like that's yeah, yeah 100%. that's that's where my mind went was like, okay, there's no way that no one making this movie thought about that. I think that's true. I think it's it's also funny because you know, this is a time where Japan isn't supposed to be having a military, really. So oh, the, yeah. the idea that the military is like, we're going to make soldiers out of this guy. It's like, wait, you're going to do what now? What's going to happen? You know, what this I mean? is this is this this movie was taking place, I think, 10 years after they after the allies, uh, since MacArthur and the other fucking assholes there uh, r- called it a day and 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 left. Uh, and you know Japan stopped being like an occupied territory. Like they were absolutely not supposed to be doing this when they were doing this. Sure, um, but I also think it, uh, in a weird way, it still reflects the Frankenstein story, right? Not yeah. directly, but yeah. This this is also a new formation of the hubris of science. But in this case, because Japan just has monsters, right? Like the 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 aberration here is Frankenstein. You know, that they have this kid and he keeps growing and growing and then they're just upset because he gets loose and now there's a giant kid loose and they're they're like this th- we don't trust something bad's gonna happen from this kid. But then when a monster comes out of the ground they're like, oh and there's a monster, of course. Sorry. Yeah. Like of course there would be a monster. Like why wouldn't there be a giant monster? Okay, yeah, it's just like they're like, oh great this there's this growing child whose hand is also growing and fuck it's Baragon. Yeah. Like it's, that's, it's upsetting. They don't like Baragon, but it's not a surprise really. Like they're just like, (laughs) they're not at all. They're like, Oh, it's Baragon. It's not like what? Oh, there's two of them now. Fuck. (laughs) They're like, ah, yeah. Baragon, you know? Okay. And the only line to explain Bear God, they go, you know, maybe that's where all the tunnels underground come from. Is this guy? What do you think? This yeah, guy? Like the, the dinosaurs, they maybe one of them lived underground. Like what dinosaur is Baragon again? It's uh, it's so crazy. But what it does give us is one of my favorite I don't know how familiar people are with kaiju movies, right? But some not all, but some kaiju movies are limited, in fact. By the suit itself. You're watching it to see the suit, right? That's why you're watching it, really. Yeah. But there's limitations to what they've been able to figure out in the suit. And that really depends on the filmmaker, you know? But I've seen some where, you know, you kind of think, oh, this is getting a little repetitive here. They need to do something new with the suit. But in this movie, 
Frankenstein's just a guy. It's just a guy. So he can yeah. do all kinds of guy stuff. I will say there's one way that this movie breaks the Frankenstein legend a little bit, but it didn't bum me out. I kind of liked it. But at a certain point, Frankenstein utilizes fire against Baragon. Yep. And you're like, I don't know, guys. Frankenstein doesn't like fire. I don't know that he'd be stoked on using fire. But then I thought, maybe Frankenstein remembers. You know what? I don't like fire. I wonder if Baragon won't like fire. I'll try it out. Let's see what happens. And it was it's it's just so weird. It's just so funny because it's become such a cultural joke that Frankenstein hates fire. Like it was a running gag on SNL about Frankenstein hating fire. Yeah. And here's Frankenstein being like, I've got fire, you motherfucker. Like, you better watch out. Uh one of the more like uh, one of the things I, I I liked in this film was the sort of moral dilemma they had when they were trying to figure out if he actually was Frankenstein and they were like, we'll just cut one of his arms off and it grows back. And then like one of the scientists is like, yeah, but what if it doesn't grow back? Then we've just cut someone's arm off. Um, And side note, they could have just, I mean, not that this solves it really. They could have cut a finger off, right? Like it doesn't have to be the size of an arm, but they're just immediately go to, yeah, cut his arm or his leg off. One of the two, it doesn't matter which one. I like how there's a discussion, how the one guy's like, no, we can do whatever we want to this person because he's not really a person. He's a creation of a scientist. And then I think it's like Nick Adams actually is like, yeah, but he is like, I like he is a person. Like, it doesn't matter where he came from. Like, he's a person just like you or me. Like, it doesn't matter that he stitched together from all these other parts. And he like, you still look at him and you see a person like, you, we can't treat him as something less than that just because, like, you know, he's quote-unquote artificial. And that is such an inter- interesting debate that I've been fascinated with for, I don't know, the first time I saw Terminator 2 and I was like, oh, personhood, what an interesting concept. And that's kind of smartly, like, I mean, this isn't like a philosophical treatise like Peter Singer's you know, animal liberation talking about like personhood and the rights we we should ascribe to persons. But the fact remains, there is a hesitancy to do anything that to, to this, to Frankenstein that we wouldn't do to a quote unquote normal human being, because like, they're like, yeah, but he, it, it he looks like us and he acts like us. But I and will, just- I, I will say the scientists are a little inconsistent because there are multiple times where rather than defend his personhood, they just go, we shouldn't kill him because science. Like they, yeah. those, those are the two discussions they're having. One hand, he's a person, so we need to respect his personhood. But then at other times they go, well, maybe he's not a person, but science, guys, science, we shouldn't destroy him. And I, I just wanted to have a conversation with the script writer and say, hey, guy, one of these arguments is compelling and the other one is not. Yeah. When <laughs> you're saying we should we should keep his heart and his brain for science, that's not a good look. Maybe. I, it, I mean, at a certain point, they're like. The, the reporters are saying, because one thing we haven't said yet is that this is a case of mistaken identity. We've got a giant, you know, child who they say this, but it's not as direct. But I think this is also animating the movie, a vagrant child. So they're already kind of yeah. judging this kid a little bit. Right. And now he's a giant and he's wandering around the countryside. Right. And stuff is going wrong. And the audience knows it's Baragon. But the press doesn't. So they're asking these scientists directly, what should we do about this kid? All these people are dying. It's dangerous, whatever. And of course, the scientists are like, well, it's probably not Frankenstein. Like, we don't think it's him. But they also, when they start to think that maybe it is him, they then go, well, I hope he lives because science. And I just wanted to be like, if you're a 
if you're a, a, a person living in the hills wondering if at some point Frankenstein is going to step on your house because you don't know that it's actually a monster lizard dog who lives underground, a scientist saying, I don't think we should kill it, though, because science is probably not that compelling, right? You're probably thinking, okay, we'll cut up the corpse, man. I don't give a fuck. I don't want to get stepped yeah. on. Like, what, what are we doing here? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it turns out that, you know, Frankenstein actually protects or tries to, for in most cases, protect people and has like a conscience. And then he fights Baragon, which I think is the evidence that he has some measure of humanity. I mean, he also uses fire, right? So as far as I'm concerned, that's a human right there. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely didn't get the vibe that like, oh God, I'm going to go off on a tangent here. One of my biggest problems, okay, I've always felt that, that, that Godzilla as a character is at his strongest when he is an unknowable force of nature. The first Godzilla movie. Um I'll fucking say it. The Gareth Edwards film. I liked it. I, because like Godzilla wasn't a benevolent protector. He was just this thing. Um, but like, I kind of like that. There was an element to the fight here. That wasn't just two animals fighting over territory. Like there was something about the way that Frankenstein was fighting this thing. That was far more like, um, purposeful. And I guess elevated beyond just like the prime directive of like, you know, food, shelter and uh, reproduction. This wasn't yeah, like it's well, yeah, he's like, he, yeah, he's protect. He literally protects the people. He literally is about fighting this thing and also makes a weird noise while he does it, which I love. Oh, God, that noise is like haunting. Uh. Can we talk about the weird alternative endings and why I hate America? Oh, right. I'm sorry. I got distracted. So basically, uh, the American distributor was not into the ending. Just felt like. So the original Japanese ending all is he basically throws Baragon into a pit. And then that causes the whole ground to like cave in and he goes down into the pit as well. And there's a feeling that like he's dead. But come on, y'all. You know, he's not dead. He's going to come back. It's it is what it is. And I guess the American distributor was like not stoked on that. So then, uh, or you know what it was? The American distributor, it wasn't even that they weren't stoked on it. The Japanese filmmakers were worried that they wouldn't be stoked. And in fact, they had expressed uh, appreciation of the octopus in another Toho movie. I don't even remember which movie it was, but there's a giant octopus in one of those movies and they thought that was cool. So the filmmakers were like, we'll just throw a giant octopus in because Americans seem to like that for some reason. So he defeats Baragon. He's just chilling. And then he just gets attacked by an octopus. And it's so lame because, A, how close are we even to an ocean at this point? Dude. Where the fuck did this thing come from? It comes out of, like, it's like I was watching this movie. There's literally not even five minutes left in this movie. Like, this is, like, almost to the credits. And all of a sudden, they're like, what's that? And, it, you know, the camera pans over. And there's a fucking octopus crawling out of the mountains. And at first, I was like... Oh, all right. Sure. Fuck it. Octopi in the mountains. But then it's like, as it went on and I was like, this is. What are we doing here, guys? Like this, he just beat up Baragon, who is at, by now, 1965, semi-iconic in the world, in the, in the world of Toho. Like he's, people know who Baragon is. And now we have Frankenstein fighting a, an octopus. What? 
And then it just drags him to the ocean. And it's like, well, that was kind of a, a, a bleak. It was a bit of a bummer. And then the worst part is, is they just tack on the fucking ending from what the guy says about like, oh, Frankenstein's dead, but his heart lives on or whatever. It's like, no, he's dead. Like, I'm, I, I think the octopus eats him down in the ocean. I think that's what happens. Like his, I, I his, want to establish Baragon. This was his first appearance. He was not oh, it was. known at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This oh, okay. Is the first yeah. They made him up for this movie because they didn't feel comfortable putting Godzilla in the movie. They thought it wouldn't. Fucking cowards. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, and also what's weird is like the, I think I read that the octopus ending wasn't popular in the US. Like I think they ended up maybe even not using it and that it only appears on home video versions. And supposedly the original TV version that they showed in Japan had the octopus ending and Japanese audiences were like, what the fuck is this octopus? Like, because it had already been released yeah. in Japan with the original ending. And so people were so confused. They didn't even know that that version existed. So stupid. It's, I mean, I'll say the version that's on criterion right now has the octopus ending. It sucks. If you want to see how it ends without the octopus, they have it on YouTube and it looks good. So just go to YouTube and put, uh, you know, Frankenstein conquers the world original ending and it'll come up. It's not that big a deal. It's literally like it just ends. And then the way the movie ends on Criterion is it ends the way it does in the original. And then they cut to the octopus. It's like literally it's not even different. It's just a cut to the octopus. It's very. Yeah. Strange. Also, the octopus moves so slowly. I feel like Frankenstein could have just run away. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's. Yeah. It's just it's slowly crawling. And I'm like, he's just looking at it like the fuck is that thing? <laughs> Yeah, like, I mean, I get it. I'd be like, oh, wow, that's strange. But I would collect myself and then get the fuck out of there. It's weird. It's a weird, it's a weird ending. And for me, I know this movie is just for some viewers, this is going to be just dumb, right? Because kaiju movies are just silly and dumb and they don't take them seriously. I happen to love some very ridiculous kaiju movies and I don't need them to be as dark as the original Godzilla, though I do love the original Godzilla. Um, I don't need them all to be dark. I'm okay with silly, but I actually think this movie works more in a fun adventure sort of way, uh, with some very dark elements. I think there's aspects of this that actually are kind of upsetting. And the only part of it that feels stupid to the point of me being frustrated is this final octopus. You take this octopus out. I think this movie is just, it's the sort of kaiju movie that I would actually be surprised people didn't like if they gave it a fair chance because i think it works top to bottom yeah no doubt all right so i think that's the episode um yeah. thank you guys thank hey, you guys hey, so hey happy halloween justin oh same to you liam happy spooky time i'm excited to do more spooky stuff so am i um you can head to cinepunks.com to check out more episodes of this podcast and others such as the carnage report twitch of the death nerve cinepunks Cinema Smorgasbord. And what's the newest one? Shameless Picture Show. Shameless Picture Show. I'm the worst. Oh, it's okay. All right. Head to patreon.com backslash cinepunks if you want to become a patron. Be sure to check out our sponsors, Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations at xlvacx.com. Don't forget they have an event coming up on October 21st. Tickets are still available, but they're going out fast. So head to, uh, you can check them out on instagram at the l underscore lvac they'll there's a link there where you can get tickets at be sure to check out essex coffee roasters at essexcoffeeroasters.com and be sure to check out mechanical shark media at mechanicalsharkmedia.com 
Thank you to Sharky. Thank you to Aaron. And thank you to Chris for sponsoring us. And thank you to you for listening. Um, it's spooky time. So uh, get at us with, uh, I'm just going to say, get at us with your ideas for a, for a all night film festival. You know, that's always fun. And um, un- until next time, oh, maybe we should do another episode where we, where we program a fest. I would love that. I would absolutely, we should do that as a Patreon. Yeah. Okay. We're going to do it. We're going to do okay, it this so, month. Y'all. Right. So get yeah. on that Patreon. Yeah. Um, yeah. And until next time, um, stay spooky. Peace. Night, night. Do you scan the night sky in search of unidentified aerial phenomena? Do you lose sleep over strange projects funded by the CIA? Ever wonder which orifices ectoplasm comes out of? Come explore the unexplained and unexplainable with us on our podcast, Weird, Obscure, and Possibly Unsafe. We'll talk about telepomancy, haunted railroads, sentient umbrella spirits, mind-altering video games, remote viewing, SpongeBob conspiracy theories, and only gets weirder from there. Each episode will share three stories about all the weird things they tell you not to believe. Weird, obscure, and possibly unsafe. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey! Hey!